bell has rung and the Cassock Club is back in the ring for another classic episode. Speaking of classics, here's a message for Dave Meltzer. Hey Dave, while you're handing out five-star ratings for classic Brian Danielson matches, why don't you head on over to iTunes and give this classic podcast a five-star rating? From the East Coast, and with this traditional shout-out to the reigning, defending AEW Women's Champion Britt Baker DMD, it's me, the Reverend Matt Rhodes. From the West Coast, it's our new, again, Cassock Club Golden Cincture Champion, the Reverend Michael Sadev. And from the Gulf Coast, our moderator and the priest who surprisingly still doesn't have his AEW on TNT live broadcast close-up with John Moxley as his staff photo on the church website, it's the Reverend Worst Stewart. Wow, I've come close. I've tried. I've tried to get it on there. All I would need to do is just like sweet talk our communications person and say, <laughs> look, this is the picture that I want. But I haven't gotten it on there. Maybe, maybe someday. There's another uh, word welcome. for it. There's another word for it. It's called hacking. Yeah. Okay. Man. Well, you know, I just have to sneak in. I don't have. I don't have all the credentials to to get on that website. To, <laughs> Now's to, the time. Now start the time. editing. Start editing. How are we doing? Doing great. Glad to be back with you guys. So glad to be back. Uh, yeah. All all is busy, but it is a, an exciting time not just to gather with the Cassett Club, but for right. all fans of. Uh, I, well, I guess all fans of AEW, but hey, even Raw, you know, Big E doing his thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a good time. It's a good it time is. to be. It is. Good time to be a wrestling fan. Good time to be in the Cassock Club Nation. We're glad to be back. It's been a couple of weeks. We've had some busyness going on, so we're just going to... Why you know, have we? We're going to... Yeah. Some of us are busier than others, but uh, we... Um, now we're going to try to get with you uh, when we can do episodes when we can. And when we can't, we can't. That's just kind of how it is um, in this, this to crazy. Be fair, to be fair, we did drop, uh, a, you know, a dynamite review, a rampage yep. review, all out review in the midst of those. So we're, we're holding you over. Yeah, we are. And, you know, we will make up for it by doing those quick reaction shows, right? Those shorter reaction shows. Um, and so, yeah, I think it'll be, um, it'll be nice to, to kind of hopefully get back in the swing of things and get you more, more content to consume, um, and do what we do best. And that is rave like a bunch of daggum lunatics about <laughs> something that we love. And, um, yeah, so, you know, why not just jump right into it? Speaking of rave, raving like a bunch of lunatics, let's talk about dynamite this week. It was, uh, live from Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York City. Um, incredible venue. The, the site was unbelievable, beautifully set up. They ended up doing 20,000 seats. Uh, I, I think a little over 20,000. I think it was like 20,170-something. Uh, Crazy. To be Crazy. exact. And they sold it out, which was pretty amazing. Um, I remember pretty amazing. sitting in the 10,000-seat arena for All In and thinking yeah. – this is like, this is unreal. This is as big mm -hmm. as it gets. 20, that's a second all in with a crowd that might as well have been as rabid as the all in crowd was. Uh, I mean, they really made the show along with everything else, but man, give it up. Shout out to the, to the fans in Queens. Yeah, I really, so they, one of the things that they did, right, was kind of take off 
they kind of reduced some of the staging, didn't they? And they put some people behind yeah. the staging to add more seats. And that's really cool. I've seen bands do that. And um, it's just such a cool, uh, cool way to, um, to get more people in and to get more people to share in the experience. Because, you know, when, when there's more people cheering and screaming and hooting and hollering, that's, that's better for the overall environment. Well, and you saw it right at the beginning when the bell rung uh, between Brian Danielson Bella and mm-hmm. Kenny Omega. And the, the place just erupted for the sounding of the bell. Yeah. I mean, they were, lack of a better uh, term, they were all in. Yeah. Um, it It is pretty much one of the greatest show opens we've seen on TV, uh, on TV wrestling for, for free, right? Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty remarkable to see. It was. It reminded me a lot. I think Michael, you may have texted this, but it, run, it reminded me a lot of uh, Rock and Hogan at the very beginning of that match. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they they you know purposefully stopped and did the stare down and let the crowd kind of really sink their teeth into into the moment. Uh, we talk about moments in wrestling. Boy, that was a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, you have you know who has been considered typically uh, greatest wrestler in the world and Kenny Omega. Uh, over the last several years. And then you have one of the all-time greats, uh, WWE legend of the past, you know, 15 years or so. Someone who has put his heart uh, and literally put his his neck on the line. Yeah. Um, retired because of concussions and then was able to come back um, and was in WrestleMania, the WrestleMania main event five months ago. That was crazy. Like we we can't forget about that. That that's one of the most unbelievable parts of this is that he was in the main event of WrestleMania against Roman Reigns and Edge in a triple threat match in April. Yeah, and chose to go to AEW. Yeah, and chose to go. Um, that speaks that speaks a lot of of what we saw and what um, what we're seeing just overall um, as a whole. Any any immediate thoughts on? Um, on overall the show or specifically that opening match? Well, I, I'm wondering just for you two, like, what did you think of the finish? I mm. love the finish. Matt, go ahead. I, I love the finish. Uh, because in my mind, I saw somebody on Twitter talk about it afterwards. It builds for an Iron Man match. And I would love to see an Iron Man match for the title, even if Brian wins it and he's just the interim until they build up again to take it in a new direction. Um, but I love the finish because they both look strong. It didn't diminish Brian's first match back in the ring in 170 days. Uh, it didn't diminish Kenny. I mean, they just put on a classic. I mean, for Melter to give it five stars, that's the first Brian Danielson match he's ever given five stars to. So if somebody said oh, his, wow. his AEW five-star match rating, right or his match rating right now in AEW is five. Um, so for Melter to do that, and I don't always agree with Melter, but that just speaks volumes. And I, I love the way they finish. I like the fact that the run-in that was done wasn't until after the match ended. So it was just straight one-on-one callus didn't get involved um it was just a classic i mean i loved it absolutely loved it Mm. yeah i mean it's pretty hilarious that uh it's good that kenny omega can give brian danielson a five-star match right you know he's not going to bring that up at all um 
but yeah, I mean, I thought the finish was the only way it could go, right? Mm-hmm. He couldn't, it would be, it would be a disservice to have one of them win right now. And it would be even worse if that portrait had gotten marred by like the cheap run in, um, which we're conditioned to expect. Uh, but I thought it was great worth. Yeah. I think it was smart the way they did that. I, I agree with y'all on, on having no run-ins cause they've had run-ins, you know, on just about every Kenny Omega match since he's won the title. I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree completely. Um, the, the match ended the way it's the only way it could have ended while leaving everything wide open still. Um, and, and, you know, it, the focus remained on the wrestling, mm. right? Which was spectacular. It wasn't even in the Tokyo Dome and Meltzer <laughs> gave it five stars, right? No, but, uh, you know, I, I think really and truly every part about it from from the story within the match, right? Um, Brian Danielson working on Kenny Omega's arm, the whole time man the chops though uh, the chops and the kicks were just you know it was a brutal 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 match the reversals no one could get the upper hand because everyone was was reversing everything the false finishes were were well done it wasn't like um it wasn't you know one of the things i love about like the nxt stuff and and some of the indie stuff is that it's there's like in the main event matches of NXT in a pay-per-view, you're going to get like 12 false finishes in a row. Right. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think, I think they do If you do it well, obviously I think if you do anything well and it serves the story, it's good, but you can almost expect at least 10 false finishes before you you end up (laughs) with something. But I think this is an example of, of um, I think this, this match was an example of how you use the false finish. Well, you really couldn't tell who was going to get the upper hand and who uh, who wasn't going to get the upper hand. Yeah. Um, and, and who was going to get pinned, who was going to get reversed. Um, and and the one of the great things I, I heard, uh, one of the great parts about this match was what you heard on the commentary. The commentary was just as good and, and aided the match and the match quality just as much because it was – you know, they were, they were putting over both guys and, and how amazing they were doing. And there was one part under his breath, almost, I don't know if it was really quite under his breath, but, but it was, it was just kind of like, uh, uh, he, he was having a moment. JR was having a moment and he said, good God, this is a, a great match or something like that. And it wasn't like, Oh, this is a great match. It was my God, this is a great match. Like he was almost saying it to himself, but over a hot mic. Right. And it was, it was special. It was special. The whole thing, everything was great and set the tone for the rest of the show, which is also what an opening match is supposed to do. Well, and the thing I love too, I've not obviously watched every match that Danielson's ever done, but he pulled out some moves in this match that I'd never seen him pull out before, which really made the match even more enjoyable for me because it was just a new side of, you know, the American dragon side that I hadn't seen before. I mean, his counter to the one winged angel was just amazing. It was Mm. just good stuff all around. Yeah. So I think we've, we've officially uh, given enough props to this thing. 
because uh, it, it it was amazing. Uh, what else? What else in the rest of the show though? I particularly liked uh, a little bit of Black Mist around. Oh uh, uh, yeah, Cody and Malachi. I don't know what, yeah. what else stuck out to you guys. It was, it was uh, kind of strange how the crowd had kind of turned on Cody a little bit, right? I liked it. I think it's time. I think it's time. And I think, you know, he's been doing – Cody's smart, right? He's done the Homelander outfit for a while now. Mm-hmm. Who is, you know, if you've seen The Boys, he is the hero to the rest of the world, a hero in his own mind but is truly uh, somebody who's taking up spots, somebody who only cares about himself being on top and is actually a really horrible villain. You know, I think he's, he's telegraphing a lot to, to AEW here. And I don't know if you noticed, Brandy came out of the heel tunnel. Ah, yeah. Interesting. Um, Matt, what did you think? I thought it was a great match. You're right. I mean, Cody, to me, genuinely looked a little surprised at how loudly anti-Cody the crowd was. Um, and I was wondering when Brandy slid up into the ring and sat cross-legged across Malachi and flipped him off, whether yeah. that was an ad-lib based on the reaction of the crowd just to add to it, or if that had been planned. Because if it was an ad-lib, it was genius. Absolutely. Oh, in the laugh? That was yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... I um. It's interesting to me because if if Cody really does go full heel, does is it weird that all of the EVPs are now heels? I mean, it's, it's kind of a it's, it's interesting. It's kind of a a Mr. McMahon kind of dynamic to it, it, right? You know, that's the thing. It's it's worked in the past, and it it's always, like the Bucks. And Kenny don't really lean on the EVP thing as hard as Cody has, I think. Like, I think Cody establishes himself as like, I'm, I'm the Triple H of this. Yeah. And, and if you followed BTE when he was running the Bullet Club is fine, like, he is an incredible heel. I, I would be very excited to see what a heel Cody who's in charge of AEW can do. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things that I was, I was listening to Busted Open earlier and uh, Bully Ray was talking about how... How was Tommy Dreamer on that episode? Uh, he was not on it. He was oh, he wasn't? It. He oh. was not on it. What's that, the nope. day off? Yeah. Oh, I think he. I think he's going to have multiple days off uh, <laughs> this, this week and in the future uh, until further notice. Um, but anywho, uh, I, I, <laughs> I think uh, Bully Ray was talking about how Dusty used to be around, but he would only get involved in matches when it was something that was big and important and, and how Cody has kind of been doing that a little bit along the way and, and that it would serve him well to keep doing that. Um, which I, I thought was an interesting point. Uh, but I, you know, I also don't understand this is maybe completely coincidence and maybe I'm just looking too much into things to try to read into them. And for no reason, but uh, Malachi Black's uh, trunks were like the shorts. And the only other time he's worn that is when he wrestled Cody. The other time he's been in just regular trunks and kick pads. And he is for the Cody matches. He's been in shorts and kick pads. I have no idea if that means anything. 
<laughs> you know, people make fun of me for uh, being in, interested in copes and chads. Look, and I'm just saying. But but all of a sudden, when Worth starts talking about trunks, no, it's I listen. I yeah, <laughs> hey, it's not normal. I can tell you, I'm. I know it's not normal. But like, I used to want to be these people when I was little, and a part of me is <laughs> that's still with me, right? To like the details of people's of people's gear is is all you know. The Undertaker no, would not. Undertaker would not have been nearly as scary without his gear, right? It would look, not have been look, nearly as scary without thing. his long trench coat and his and his hair in front and the big huge hat and all that. He would not have been nearly as scary without without all of that gear, right? If there's one thing that we as priests know, it's that part of what you wear matters. So yeah. I appreciate that. You know, liturgical colors, they signify if we're in green, it signifies the season we're in. If what what kind of robe we're wearing is a certain indicator of function or a role. So look, man, I think there's something to it. I just brought up how Cody was looking like Homelander. So I think I think we're right to notice those things. Yeah. Yeah. Just like we're right to notice that there was black mist used at the end of this match, mm. which Nydia was blinded by when Tajiri sprayed it in her face many years ago. In Japan, the color of that mist has mattered uh, each time it was used. I'm thinking maybe that's there's there's something there too. So, Trunks so mist, it's all together. What's the <laughs> trunks and mist what is the difference between the green mist and the black mist is there a difference yes so there's there's a long and storied history and i i should have brought all of it with me um but cliff the notes. black mist cliff notes yeah the black mist uh was oftentimes the more like scary like powerful mist because it it would blind your opponent for like weeks um the green mist simply just uh, like incapacitated them, burned a little bit, and and like that was kind of it. So it was like the most common use, and it just like got in the way of your vision. Red uh, is used to burn the eyes, and like Gangrel would use that a bit. Uh, black again was the blinding. Blue sends your opponent to sleep, according to one website. Whoa. Yellow would paralyze your opponent. Whoa. And purple would cause a momentary distraction and memory loss uh, once used by Roxy Laveau. So that is, uh, again, if you go into the mythology of wrestling, there is a reason behind each. This is why you come to the Classic Club. This is, you're not going to get this anywhere else on any other wrestling podcast, any other podcast, Period. Period. Who's going to teach you about the different color mists used to gain advantage in your match? And we're here to tell you why we use purple in Lent and blue in Advent. Yeah, and pink <laughs> on Rose Sunday. On, on, uh, on was it Gatate and... And Latere Sunday. And Latere Sunday, yeah. I mean, come on, let's... Let's go. Um, Shout out to Nick Mather because we know he's listening and this is right up his wheelhouse. Liturgical colors, liturgical colors, investments, and in, in, mist. in mist. So here's the uh, question I've got. Cody goes full heel. What do they do with Arn? Does he stick with Cody? Does he go away? If he goes away, then what is his role? Because right now his one role is being the coach for Cody. 
He needs to check the bottom of his shoes to make sure he doesn't slip off the apron anymore. Oh, man. That was rough. Man. That was rough. I saw looked him like, get up there, and he, he looked like he was having trouble getting around the post. I was like, oh, no, yeah. oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, looked no. like a big koala trying to get around a branch. Oh, jeez. And the rough, first, dude. The first text after that happened was one of you guys texting, WrestleBotch. <laughs> Which within it made it on hours, there, like, there it within, yeah, within just a few hours. Yeah. I think uh, it's a good question, but I think – I think Arn, well, before the latest Dark Side of the Ring, I thought maybe there was a chance that you saw Arn, Tully, and Rick, and maybe Sting hanging out together. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case anymore, unfortunately. But uh, there is somebody for Arn to coach and look after, and it's one of his own, Brock, his son. Yep. Uh, Not to mention the rest of the the Nightmare Factory crew, which will need a leader if – Cody seems to go the other way. So there's still room for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about, uh, what was what was another match in there? You had MGF and Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah, that was uh, shorter than I thought it would be. I, what are, uh, y'all got to help me out on this. Help, help me out with how it ended. I don't remember how it ended. I mean, MJF won pretty convincingly. There was no uh, interference with Wardlow. There wasn't, you know, Pillman looked good. I thought this was his, like, coming out moment. Yeah. Um, But it really, really wasn't. It it more sort of was still another notch for MJF, which I was surprised by. I don't don't know. I thought given the whole, you know, angle and the way, how harsh they were about Pillman's mother and and everything else, that that would have, gone the other way what mm. that, that was the one bit of this that confused me it's almost like they were to me it seemed like they were they felt like they had to get mjf on one of the two nights there really wasn't anywhere else to put him and then they had pillman and so it's almost like they to me made the mistake of doing one of those rush wwe two-week build-ups for a story that i guess now is over and you know where does it go from here there's no I mean, they can't turn it into another um, uh, Jericho-style thing where Pillman keeps coming back saying, I want another match, I want another match. Yeah. They've been there, done that. I think, I, I, I thought for sure, like what you said, Michael, it was going to be a uh, Brian Pillman Jr.'s you know, time to kind of be built into into something. And maybe they'll, they'll keep going and... Um, and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But... I'm not, I'm not like in on this storyline. I'm, I'm not super invested in it. So it was uh, like watching his dad though. It was freaky to me how much watching this is the first Pillman junior match. I think I've watched from beginning to end and there were points. It was exactly like, I felt like I was watching his dad back Mm. in the day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Let him run wild, you know, keep that mullet going. The loose cannon, the loose cannon. Um, what, what about the, uh, the tag match? I don't want to say much, but I don't want to say too much about it. Cause that's going to go into another segment we're doing in a bit. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I'll say FTR that. FTR versus Sting and Darby. Oh yeah. Yeah. So let's just, yeah. Without giving away all that we're going to talk about later. That was great. Sting hasn't had a bad match in AEW yet. It's unreal. Yep. He's like freaking 60. Is he 60 years old? 62, 62 I think. 
He's 62. Uh, mm-hmm. You got to retire being a priest at 72. Like, what is the, he's a freak, you know? It's yeah. insane. Um, I mean, a 62 year old man doing, doing a cross body off the top turnbuckle. Yeah. 62 yeah. years old. I mean, yeah. he, he's no, he's no Ray Phoenix, but, uh, but, you know, give him credit. Absolutely. He's, he's doing everything he needs to do to make himself and the other folks in the ring look good. I agree with you. It was, well, it, it was awesome. And FTR still looks good. You know, I'm excited to see where, where they go in the in the search for the tag titles, too. Like, it's, you know, th- again, it was like best case scenario. I, You mm-hmm. know, Sting has been protected. Darby's a star. Like, no no complaints there. Yeah, I really I really liked FTR's NWO gear. I thought that was cool. That was funny, yeah. yeah. I did like that. Good shout out. The, uh, the part of that match that made me wince... And like, oh God, it was, it was just the move that I went, oh, that had to have hurt so bad was the coffin drop on the apron, on the apron, like across his neck and head, like it squashed his, his his shoulders and his head into the apron, into the hardest part of the ring, as they like to say, (laughs) um, I don't know who that was. I just did an impersonation of, we'll uh, go with you, it's a mix of JR and and Shivani, but uh, yeah. So it was it was a good match. It was a good match. Um, are there any any other matches besides the main event? I think oh, that was that it. it. Ruby Soho and Britt. Yeah, yeah Ruby Soho and Britt in the main event. Uh, good match. Good. That's a great match. Solid. Like yeah. You know, a little nervous to to be the main event after the the opener, but mm-hmm. delivered. It did. It did. Uh, Britt Baker, you know, even more solidifies her role as one of the best performers in all of AEW. Uh, one of the best wrestlers in the world, I think. Uh, she's she's great. She's got great charisma, great at storytelling, great promo. Uh, she has she has the skills. She has the the move set. She has all of it. She's got it all. Well, have you heard that they are talking about bringing in a second title? Uh, to the women's division? Yeah. Oh, that'd be and cool. Not a tag, not a tag, tag belt, but it, huh. the, the TBS title. Ah, since Donna White's going to be on TBS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Like a women's TV title. I can get, I can, I could be down for that. Which is, yeah, you know, in some ways I kind of get too, because there's like, yeah, you know, again, like I think Statlander should have the belt at some point, you know? Mm. Soho, you know, Sheeta's still got plenty in the tank. Like Rosa, we haven't even seen much. Of her. Like, there's a lot of. I think she's top, been on dark. Right, but there's been a lot of top girls out there that, um, you know, should be competing for something. Yeah, I think so the one thing talent. the one thing Tony is doing well is he said he was going to play up the women's division and weekend and week out he does. We've heard that elsewhere. We're going to build up the women's division, and then two weeks later, suddenly it's like, wait, what? We didn't say that. But here every week, and you know, I saw some folks complaining on Twitter that you know, why would you open basically a free pay per view or a pay per view quality program, putting Omega and Danielson first when that awesome. should have been the main event? I think it was I, it was two great main events bookending the the program. I yeah, and it wasn't yeah, for I'm a title. Happy with it. It wasn't for a title. I mean, the that first match, which I don't oh, know. facts don't matter. 
So silly. So silly. silly. Yeah. Well, and tonight, you know, Rampage, uh, we get the rest of that awesome card. You Mm -hmm. know, you're going to see CM Punk and Hobbs. Two hours. It's two hour Rampage. Two hours, like Lucha Bros uh, versus, what is it, Uh, LAX? Uh, no, it's uh, Lucha Bros and LAX. So it's an eight eight man, right? It's Lucha Bros and LAX versus yeah, the Hardy group versus the yeah, Hardy, uh, and then you get a tri- the trios match of the Super Click. Oh, I can't wait for that! And Suzuki's back with a full. Oh yeah, that's right, Minoru Suzuki and the Murder Hawk Monster. So I mean, they're keep they're they're delivering the hits here. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, I, I think this rampage could get over a million. Let's hope. I can. I think it could hit a million. Um, maybe not, but we'll see. It. It's. Um, I'm gonna have to watch it late, but I will. I'll be watching it first thing in the morning. Believe you me. Um, well, then, and next week, as we're you know wrapping up this this week's episode of Dynamite, next week. They'll be in Rochester, New York. And this mm-hmm. week's episode of the Cassock Club is uh, in tribute to uh, a number of wonderful people, but one in particular, a great church in Rochester, New York, of the Diocese of Rochester. That is St. Paul's Episcopal Church with the rector Rob Picken. If you're in the area going to AEW Dynamite, stop by 25 Westminster Road, Rochester, New York, yeah. For a service or two after uh, Wednesday or Friday um, to see some of the 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 good the good work that's going on over yeah. at St. Paul's. The good people of St. Paul's. That's right. Go and get, go and get Rob's perspective on liturgical ring gear while you're there. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. exactly. I'm sure you'd have a lot to say about that. I heard he well, did do his, wanna, his do master's thesis in, on that. Do we do we want to move into <laughs> to a brand new uh, segment? For yeah. us here at the Cassie Club. Yeah, we're going to do a brand new segment called Icon of the Week um, in the Eastern Church. Specifically, they uh, they use icons for revered people in the faith. Matt, you want to say anything else about what icons are for, etc. before we begin? People use them in prayer. A little, little Christian education here. <laughs> Again, Cassie Club brings you everything. No, they're yeah. they're right. They're for people that are men and women who are big in the Christian faith, primarily the Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox. Um, they are signs of veneration. People use them as prayer aids. People use them to decorate uh, and set up prayer corners in their homes or offices. Mm-hmm. They use them in in worship. And uh, you all have probably seen a lot of them if you've been out and about and not even realized what they were. They're a very distinctive style. Uh, Google Eastern Orthodox icons and take a look. So that's the basis of our new segment. Uh, we're not going to be painting icons. We're doing icons. We're painting pictures with our words. Yes. Uh, painting pictures with our words, like a good promo. Uh, <laughs> or as, you, or as some would call them sermons. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Unless you that's don't right. have a good topic, in which case it becomes a homily. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we're going off the rails here very quickly. Um, insider baseball language, but that's okay. Uh, so our icons of the week basically is our MVP of the week. Who uh, who do we think is, you know, the most valuable, the most valuable player of the week 
the icons it's, it's, of the it's week person or like concept as well yeah right? yeah yeah like, yeah exactly okay. okay icon yeah exactly exactly and we put them on the icon and they get to be venerated for a week yeah veneration yes We're, let's venerate things golden who, who is up first here. uh one of you go ahead all right, I'll go first. And this, all right, I, it, it's kind of a dead giveaway when I was talking, we were talking about uh, the tag match earlier, but I'm going to go old school. And my icon of the week is the icon. It's Sting. And oh, oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. And I'm picking Sting because, again, That's 62 years old, and you put him in the right circumstance, he can still go. I mean, he was still doing, for him, high-risk moves. Still doing the stinger splash, lost a little bit of the elevation over the years, but he's still doing that. Uh, makes Darby looks great, uh, makes FTR look great. Uh, but to be 62 years old in the shape that he's in, especially after what happened to him during his uh brief and unfortunate run in WWE when I and everybody else thought he was done, to see him get out there now, Michael said he's undefeated in AEW, it's because they're putting him in. A great spot but you know i'm the old guy in this trio here at 51 and i'm still 11 years younger than sting and just <laughs> you know seeing somebody that can get out there and give his all and still be able to pull everything out of the crowd i mean they were they were just as on fire for this match as they were any of the others and oh yeah uh yeah i just had to go with him for this uh and not just because he's referred to as the icon i thought he was it was just uh it was a great performance on dynamite wednesday Absolutely. Absolutely. I expect to see you doing uh, cross bodies off the top rope and uh, scorpion death drops pretty soon, Matt. Only at or, baptisms. Or, <laughs> yeah, only at baptisms. Or when you get done with announcements in the middle of the service, you beat your chest and give a oh! <laughs> That'd be perfect as well. Uh, that was a really terrible sting howl. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so mine, uh, my icon of the week is we talked about at the very beginning of the show my icon of the week is the fans the fans at dynamite were as some like to say lit and and they were they were off the charts into it the whole time and were on their feet and like loving every single bit of what was going on and it made the viewing experience on TV at home even better because you you were not only were the performers feeding off the crowd, you could tell, but the audience at home could also I was feeling the excitement through my TV screen. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and and it was it was fantastic. And I can't wait to see how they were for the rampage taping as well when I watched tomorrow. probably lit. Very lit. I so like lit. that word. Quite I lit. I like that word. Quite lit. Um, <laughs> and you know what? I, I bet some of those people out in Queens, New York, were members of Grace Episcopal Church in Jamaica, Queens. Oh, boy. So if you yeah. happen to have gone to AEW Grand Slam, check out Grace Episcopal Church in Jamaica, Queens, 15515 Jamaica Ave. <laughs> well, oh, I'll say my for God. my icon of the week, both yeah. of them were, were very well done. Very well done by both of you. Thank I think you. my icon of the week, it could have been icon of the week for the last two years. 
And it's Tony Khan. Tony Icon. Tony Icon. Tony Icon. Man, we're silly um, today. We're, we're going off the rails a little bit. <laughs> it's all right. We're holding it together. Appreciate appreciate the greatness amongst us. Tony yeah, Icon. Of course. Um, <laughs> he has done what he's put together and brought, uh, and the way in which he just has not missed, just has not missed so far. Um, he's on a streak that is unmatched. Not just the fact that Grand Slam was great, that he's brought in guys who loved and made their names and are, are enjoying times in places like like WWE. New Japan, opening the Forbidden Door, um, all that wonderful stuff. But then, like, to top it off, we didn't need this. We don't need to have this. But he's bringing back Owen Hart's legacy. Doing Mm. an Owen Hart Tribute Cup. Yeah. Something that hasn't been able to be celebrated because of how terrible and sad things ended up uh, in, in WWE. The family not wanting to give into that. Like, you just, just, there's a lot of healing going along. CM Punk's coming back. You know, there's a lot of wrongs that have been written uh, that are that are being rightened. Uh, Tony Tony Icon is the icon of all cons. <laughs> you know, you said something just now that made me think of a comment that Punk made in his promo on Wednesday night, which I I texted you all. It wasn't a shot across the bow; it was a shot into the bow, where he was saying it was the first time professional wrestling had been back in New York in years. Knowing full well, WWE's had shows in New York in years past. So I just thought that was a yeah, great... Yeah, uh, they, they did New York. so subtle They day. did... SmackDown was at Madison Square Garden two weeks ago. Yeah. But you know who's also said that is Daniel Bryan. Like, he's talked about how he's a professional wrestler again. You know? So there is... Like, it's not just shots. You know, these are, these are things that even people who loved that other company... Um, are, are agree with and and uh, you know the good people at Grace Episcopal Church I'm sure felt the same thing when they were at AEW <laughs> Grand Slam. I tell you, I I think why Tony does such a great job at this is because unlike Vince, this wasn't a business he was born into. He came into mm. this as a fan, yeah, and he's yeah. playing this and running this like the fans would run it, not like a businessman, and it's paying off. And he's been able to learn from the mistakes of ECW, WCW, uh, the ones who have fallen uh, previously. He is, he's been able to learn from it, and he's got money, right? Yeah, if only I had billions and billions of dollars. Uh, wow. Would you start a wrestling promotion? I think for purposes of the Bishop, I'm not allowed to say. But... <laughs> We'd start CCW, Catholic <laughs> Club Wrestling. Well, it says a lot too when you got Jim Cornette come in and say it's Jordan Jim Cornette. It's not just the young up and comers that want to go to AEW. It's now the old, the old hands, the pros, the uh, recognizable names. They want to go to AEW now. Cornette. Yeah, can we talk about how they they just like made a new Cornette? Yeah, right. <laughs> Cornette has been transformed. Like they just said, like, uh, we don't want you, but we want that type of person. And so here he is. Yeah. Which I think yeah. Jericho's Jericho and uh Wardlow or Jericho and Hager are competing against them tonight, right? Yep. Dan Lambert. Dan Lambert. 
That's right. Um, I'm already over him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you guys have anything else you wanted to cover today before we wrap things up? No, this episode was lit. Oh God. <laughs> it, lit, well, it was, it was something. <laughs> it was something. Well, before before we get out of here, I would just bring back a quick international wrestling minute moment. Uh, sure, sure. To remind everyone that the G one is taking place right now. We're about in our second week into it. Had some devastating injuries uh, that have taken some leaders out, but it's still too early to to call or even give a complete round of points. But uh, some really really great stuff going on over there. Don't forget that. And in the meantime. While some clubs are wrestling over in the G1 and some clubs are being a real super click, dropping five-star matches left and right, best cage matches of all times, the Cassock Club is for life. For life. Peace out. See you guys. All right.